Lord Jesus, we've said it about every way I know how. We are here to meet with you this morning. Anything else is missing the point. So, Father, I, I have prepared my heart every way I know how. We have sang it. We have prayed it. Would you meet with us this morning? Would you make yourself known to us? Reveal yourself to us through your word. May we truly know you more because we've gathered together to worship this morning. Be praised, be glorified, be present, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we continue our walk through the book of Mark, uh, we find ourselves this morning at one of the uh, most told stories in all of Scripture. Uh, we're going to read, it's, it's a bigger chunk, we'll have it up on the wall for you here today, but it's the feeding of the 5,000. This story has been written about, sung about, taught on, spoken over more times than most other stories you will find in Scripture. And it's beautiful because there's so many different points of view, so many different perspectives, so many different things that we can bring out of this story. My challenge this morning, as always when we come to a very familiar story, is not to miss it. But over-familiarity is a very dangerous thing. We kind of gloss over things that we know well. We've heard it before. We've read it before. Uh, but this morning, my prayer is that as we come to the Word, as we read this story, that the Lord would give us fresh eyes. Uh, one of the things that I like to do that can be good for you in practice as well is sometimes when, when things seem like, yeah, I've read this before, I know this before, read it in a different translation. Uh, something about just different words, it forces your brain to kind of snap to attention and to read it like it's the first time. Uh, and so I'm going to read it this morning out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version. Uh, not the most common out there. It's a solid one, but hopefully maybe just bring some new light, new life uh, to it as we read. So join me in reading this and then we'll kind of break it down. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that had been done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is a wilderness, and it's already late. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to them, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and look. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up twelve basketful of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately, he made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowds. 
Again, there's so many different ways that you can approach this story. So many of us have heard this now for the 20th time, 50th time. My prayer is that we catch something new this morning. There are so many different lessons that can be learned from this passage. This story, aside from Jesus' death and resurrection, this is the only story that's recorded in all four Gospels. There's something to this story. It was meant to be one of the most told stories because I think there's, there's deep meaning in it. What I want to do this morning, again, I've, I've heard people teach on this and there's such beautiful things. You can, you can teach on it from the perspective of the disciples and how they were feeling and what they learned. You can teach on it from the perspective of a little boy who got his lunch taken from him and how he saw God move in amazing ways. From the crowds who were coming to hear Jesus and how hungry they were. There are so many beautiful perspectives and all of them can be right. What I want to do this morning, as we come to this, I want to look at Jesus. I want to focus on Jesus. How did Jesus act and respond? What did Jesus do in this story? And then we'll kind of jump off from there. So let's just break this story down a little bit. The apostles returned. It says that uh, as they gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. The disciples, if you remember from last week, they had just been sent out two by two to go minister in all these different towns and villages. And it was not the most pleasant of trips. Jesus said, don't take anything with you. Remember that? Leave anything extra, anything that brings you a sense of security, leave it behind. And go simply living on the hospitality of the people. Ministering where the doors opened, and if the door slammed in your face, leave and go to the next place. So they gather back after what was potentially weeks or months of ministry out on the road with Jesus, And Jesus says, let's get in a boat and let's go away somewhere because it was just craziness around them. It says that there was was so many people coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. And so Jesus takes them away for a time of rest. But the people would not be fooled. They saw Jesus getting in the boat, and apparently in a boat you only travel in a straight line. So when they saw him take off, they went, we can beat him. And so this huge mob of people thousands beat him to the spot. He's trying to take his boys away to get a little rest, but it says that when he steps ashore, he sees this enormous crowd and he begins to teach them. He doesn't kick them out. He doesn't go, hey, this was our spot first. He begins to teach the people. And it was getting late. Uh, Apparently it took some time to get across the lake, to walk around the lake. And so as Jesus is teaching them, it begins to get late. And remember, they're in a remote place. And so his disciples come to him and they go, Jesus, the people are hungry. The The most merciful thing to do would be to send them away now so that they have some time before the sun sets. So they can go into wherever they can, these thousands of people, and they can find something to eat. And Jesus says, some of the, the disciples had to just scratch their head time and time again. And Jesus goes, you give them something to eat. Jesus, I don't know if you saw the size of boat we came with. We don't have huge stores of food. We just got back from a place where you told us not to take anything with us. We didn't come back with anything. We have nothing to give these people. Jesus says, why don't you just go figure out what you do have? 
Go, go count how many loaves we do have. And so again, there's this little boy who packed his lunch today. Mom put five loaves and two fish in his lunch bag. And here come the big scary disciples and they go, uh, are you hungry? Can, can we borrow that? They, they take the, the food from this boy. I don't think physically took from him. I'm sure he gave it to them. But they bring what they have back to Jesus and they say, five loaves and two fish. Almost as a checkmate, Jesus. We told you, we don't have anything for these people. And here's how Jesus responds in Mark 6, 39 to 44. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. Then he took the loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he, he blessed and broke the loaves. I was paused right there. That scene, Jesus blessing and breaking the loaves before this miraculous uh, feeding happens, it reminds me of a story in Luke 24. After Jesus' death and resurrection, there's a couple of, uh, of men walking on the road outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus appears to them, but they don't recognize who he is. And Jesus is going, hey, guys. Why so sad? And they go, have you been living under a rock? Don't you understand? This guy that we thought was the Messiah, he died. Now we don't know what to do. And it says that Jesus walking with them began to explain to them from the scriptures that the Messiah had to suffer and die and that he would raise again. And so they, they finish having this conversation and they get to a why in the road. They're going to their house and Jesus is going on and they say, no, why don't you come and eat with us? We've had such a great discussion. Sit down and eat with us. Jesus takes him up on it. And as he comes into their home, it says that he picks up bread, he raises it, breaks it, and gives thanks. And it says that their eyes were opened and they recognized that he was Jesus. And then as Jesus does, he just poof, disappeared and went somewhere else. But I think of that story because I wonder, were those two men in this crowd? Were, were those two men part of these 5,000 and when they saw Jesus bless and break the bread, did they go, oh, we've seen this before. We've been here before. This is the guy that worked that miracle. And it says that their eyes were opened. And one of my favorite passages in scripture comes after that where they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he was speaking to us? There was something about the presence of Jesus that their heart was just on fire inside of them in his presence. And so I've always tied these together, and the scripture doesn't tell us, but I've just wondered, were those men in this crowd? Is that why the significance of the breaking bread, it jumped out to them? It, it, it took the scales off their eyes. Then he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up 12 basketfuls, pieces of bread and fish. Now those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Then Jesus puts his disciples in the boat, and he sends them off ahead of him to Bethsaida so that he can go and dismiss the crowd. So I've just kind of painted the picture there. I haven't really teased out any lessons yet. We will here in a minute. But this is one that's so familiar to us that what I would actually love is to hear from you what is it that speaks to you about this story? How many of you have heard this taught on before or read about this before? Or, oh, every hand is going up. What is it that this story has meant to you? 
How has Jesus used this story to minister to you? What is it about this story that kind of always jumps off the page to you? And then we'll go in and I'll share with you what I feel the Lord has, has revealed to me. What can we learn about the king and his kingdom from this story? What do you think? Okay. Sure. Yeah, we, we tend to focus on, here's all the things that I'm missing, Lord, if I only had. And he goes, you have me and you have everything you need. Beautiful. What else? There's so many different stories here. Yeah, the, that what do you have is a really powerful question. I, I'm, again, something I've heard taught on a lot, and it's a really important principle. Back in the Old Testament, when you have Moses coming before the Lord in the burning bush, and Moses is just chock full of excuses. Uh, Lord, send somebody else. It couldn't be me. I, I, I stumble when I speak. Like, I'm not your guy. And the question that God asks Moses is, what do you have in your hand? And Moses says, a staff. I told you, I'm not your guy. This is what I have. And God goes, let me show you what I can do through what you have in your hand. And we see everything from the staff turning into a serpent and being a sign that God is there to the parting of the Red Sea to water coming out of rock all through this staff that Moses was carrying. This, this a stick. And God said, that's enough. I can use that. Five loaves and two fish, I can use that. Whatever you have this morning... I can use that if you're willing to offer it to me. Yeah, that is, a, that is a huge lesson. What else? What can we learn about the king and his kingdom from this story? Yeah. Right. Right. He can provide. I mean, put, again, put yourself there. Whether you're one of the disciples Who's taken the bath? You take the first one and you're like, let's see how far this goes. You turn around and here comes another one just as big. And you're like, what? You're, you're one of the people sitting in the back of the crowd going, looks like we're going hungry today. Wait, there's more? And it says that it didn't just say everyone, you know, got a nibble. They had enough that every single person there ate and was filled. God is not lacking. He wants to provide. What else? There's so many lessons. Sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, we, we've talked about this a little bit, and, and it'll come up more as we walk throughout the book. But when Jesus talks about this kingdom ministry, this kingdom life, it was a whole life thing. He wasn't just saying, look, it's about heaven one day when you die. It's only a spiritual thing. We see Jesus healing people physically, feeding people, and casting out demons and teaching spiritual truths. And it, kingdom life is this all-encompassing life. But if we're not careful for many, it has been turned into, no, it is only about tell people Jesus died on the cross for them, and if they accept that, they can go to heaven. Everything else is they shouldn't have dug themselves this hole. They should work harder. They should try. But, like, but Jesus' ministry was a whole life ministry. What else? Yeah, and we're, we're going to talk more specifically about that. I, I think that's a huge piece. Absolutely. This wasn't timely for the disciples. They, they didn't have this penciled into their, their schedules, meet with the masses. They were done. It says, it says they needed rest. But there was a need. What else? Yeah, yeah, this wasn't just about getting enough bread because Jesus could have planned for it. Like it could have, manna from heaven could have come down and no problem. He, he'd done it before. But instead he decided to do this in a way where his disciples were actively involved, where they had to be a part of both seeing the problem and they were the ones passing the baskets out going, I don't know, how far is it going to go? Like there, there was so much more to this than just, oh no, how do we get bread? Like God was trying, or Jesus was trying to teach his people through feeding these 5,000. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, that's a good point. You, you wondered, did they all come back going, I have the only full basket left? And they got there and went, you have one too? You have one too? Like what? I, I don't know that that's how it happened, but like, there's one basket for each apostle that they all came back with an extra basket. Here's the leftovers. How about, How about it? Is this going to be one of those talks?
And what we find in, again, this, this story is in all four Gospels. And when you read it in the context in some of the other Gospels, they tell you that right after this, Jesus actually looked at the crowd and said, okay, it's gut check time. You really want to follow me? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says that most of the crowd, most of that 5,000, like by most, I mean all but maybe a few, turned and left. They said this teaching is too hard, which again, wasn't a surprise to Jesus. He knew that when he was teaching and feeding them here. But he had compassion on them. He said that the fact that they have even shown up, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity. Maybe they curse my name and storm off. Maybe they begin to follow. Jesus said, I have a role here to play, and it's to feed and to teach the people, regardless of how they respond. The thing that jumps out to me, I, I mean, all of those have as well. I've, I've, again, read the story a bunch of times, and each time it seems like there's something unique. Maybe it's just about where I am now, but the thing that has jumped out to me as I read this is I see a thread of compassion woven through the entire story. I, I, I see this story as an illustration of Jesus' compassion. First, for his fellow workers, Again, Jesus has just sent the disciples out two by two. We're not told how long they're on the road, but we knew that it couldn't be an easy journey. So they come back, and it says that they gathered to report to Jesus all that they had done and taught. And we know from earlier in Matthew 6, it says that they cast out many demons, and they healed many sick, and they taught many things. They came back kind of on cloud nine, Jesus, this has been a couple weeks long, but you got to hear it. You got to hear everything that happened. And there was this mix of excitement, but also exhaustion. This was a long couple weeks. And Jesus, in his compassion, looks at them and he says in, in verse 31, or let me read 30 to 32. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. I, wanna, I don't want to miss that right there. Because Jesus was kind of their boss. You know what I mean? Like, he was the one, when he said go, we went. When he said stop, we stopped. When he said eat, we eat. When he says leave everything and go with just the clothes on your back, that's what we do. And, and oftentimes, the way that we view Jesus when it comes to our boss, when it comes to our mission... If we're not careful, he becomes a taskmaster. We never did enough. There's always got to be more. What am I doing sitting around? And we, we have this vision of God, many of us, not all of us, but many of us, that there's always kind of this stern look of disappointment on his face. That's all you're going to do? That's all you're going to tell? That's all you're going to give? But what we find here is these guys, they come back and they're reporting to Jesus and Jesus cuts them off in the midst of sharing these incredible stories of everything they've done. Jesus cuts them off and he goes, let me tell you what you really need. You need rest. Let, let me tell you what the next step in my plan for you is. It's to come away and to rest. In John chapter 10, uh, verse 11 especially, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd talking about the way that he, he leads his people. I have no problem with Jesus being a shepherd. Sometimes I struggle to grasp the good part. 
I, I think of a shepherd, and I think of a guy probably pretty frustrated with his sheep, going, not over there, get over here. Come on. We're late, come on. There's so much to do. Listen, Jesus had a time clock. There was three years that he had here. He was not surprised by this. And yet in the midst of it, he said, you need rest. Let's not keep going and do more ministry. Let's, let's not ride the wave of all of this. You will burn out. You will become depleted and unable to go where I send you if you also don't stop and take rest. And he has compassion on them. Mark 2, 27, we, we looked at this uh, weeks ago. Jesus arguing with the Pharisees about the idea of the Sabbath. There was this lawful thing every day from, or every week from Friday night at 6 till Saturday night at 6 p.m. No work could be done. In fact, you could be stoned to death if you broke the Sabbath. And Jesus is going, you guys are missing it. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God created rest as a gift to mankind. Not as another weight of, I hope I'm doing this right or God will be disappointed. Sometimes, especially in our American mentality, like most of the world looks at America and thinks our work ethic is a little too much. Man, like our work weeks and the way that we go at it, for us, it's just normal. Most of the rest of the world goes, whoa, calm down. We're like, it, it's what makes us America. We're kinda, we get pretty proud about it. But I think many times we, we bring that into our spirituality and as if God is up there at like our boss going, more, I want more. I got to milk everything I can out of you. But what we see is Jesus looking at his disciples and going, let's take a time out. It, it would kind of make sense in a human way to keep riding the wave. Jesus' name is obviously growing, but that's the time that he says, what you really need right now is rest. Come away to a remote place with me and let's rest. We see at the very end of the story in verse 45. So now they've fed the 5,000. The disciples have been working once again, passing the baskets. They bring them back and they set it at Jesus' feet. And it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. While he did the servants' work. He had compassion on his disciples and said, again, we came over here looking for rest. Ministry happened, but I haven't forgotten you. Go, get in the boat and go ahead of me. I'll take care of the crowd. You guys need to get away and to rest. We struggle with this. When we think of our, our walk with God, for so many of us, and again, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush and I get it, Rest is not the first thing that comes to mind. The work that needs done is what comes to mind. And many of us view God, if we're not careful, as this taskmaster going, what are you doing sitting around? What do you mean that's all you did today? What do you mean you missed that opportunity? And always wanting more. He's got to squeeze everybody can out of us. But what we find in Jesus is something very different. Over in John 11, Jesus says this, we know it, but it's so hard to internalize. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. How many of, of you does that describe right now? That is me. I am in my bones weary right now. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
All of you, take my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know that. Many of us have memorized this passage, but we do not live as though that is what Jesus is calling us to. A light burden and an easy yoke. Not that life will be easy, but that God is not placing demands on top of us, weights for us to carry, but he's inviting us to walk with him into a place of rest and strength and health. And there's going to be busy times. We, again, we see the disciples. They didn't get over to the other side and go, sorry, crowd, Jesus said we're resting. Come back tomorrow. They did what, what God called them to but God was always calling them back into a place of rest because tomorrow was always going to have more work to be done and more worries and more struggles. And Jesus knew if you miss this opportunity for rest, you're not going to be any good for the kingdom tomorrow. You're going to get so burned out, so jaded, so pessimistic that you're going to miss it. And so we find Jesus beginning the story and ending it with leading his disciples into rest. And I wonder how many of us here this morning is God calling us into rest, but we're fighting it. But there's so much to do. But you don't understand, Jesus. But what will they think? And we fight his call to rest. How many of us is Jesus calling away to a remote place with him so that we can rest, but we're unwilling to go? Jesus has compassion on his fellow workers. Jesus has compassion on those that need him in the time. One of my favorite passages, again, in all of scripture, it's funny that we're talking about him today, but verse 34, so as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. In the NIV, the, the passage that I have this, or the version that I have this memorized in, says he had uh, compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked at these people showing up at an inconvenient time, and instead of going time out, you guys, like, you're hurting my style. I brought, brought my disciples here because we were going to rest. This was supposed to be a remote place. What are you guys doing here? It says Jesus steps offshore, sees the people how they truly are like sheep without a shepherd. They're hungry, but they're starving. And he has compassion on them and began to teach them. Jesus had to be exhausted himself. We know that when he sent the disciples out two by two to all of these places, he didn't just kick his feet up somewhere and drink a little coconut drink with an umbrella in it waiting for them to return. He was doing the Father's work during that time himself. He was going and teaching and leading. He was just as exhausted as the disciples. But when he saw the need that the people had, his heart was flooded with compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Imagine how put out you would be after weeks of just putting in the time and you've been looking forward to the vacation, to the weekend, to the whatever it is, and the phone rings, and the neighbor knocks on the door, or whatever it is. How put out do we feel in that time? Because we've earned this time, right? But it says that Jesus looked on them with compassion and was moved to minister to them. 
And again, the ministry that we see here was not just, okay, I'll just teach. It wasn't, okay, fine, here's just some bread, get out of here. He ministered to the whole person because he was moved with compassion. He saw them as they truly were, sheep without shepherd, people in need. Someone had already brought up, how hungry must that crowd have been to, to, to chase him around the lake, to beat him to the spot on the other side because they wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to see what he was going to do. They were hungry for more. I think of, uh, we heard a international worker update a few weeks back um, about the Gaylers um, who are at work overseas and in a predominantly Muslim culture. And during Ramadan, uh, which is a Muslim holiday that lasts for weeks and people fast throughout the days and then they break their fasts and kind of party in the evenings. Uh, but part of their fasting during the day is there's regular teachings. Where, uh, so they, they were a part of this in their neighborhood um, where a, a local Muslim leader came in and was teaching them for their daily teaching. And he said these pe- they know these people. These people have spiritual questions. These people are hungry. These people want to grow. They see all kinds of open doors for Jesus. But it said when they came and they were meeting with their spiritual leader, the kind of things that were talked about was, here is how Muhammad clipped his toenails. And I'm not joking. And here is how you're supposed to clip your toenails if you want to be a good Muslim. Those were the kinds of things that these hungry people were being fed. We look at it and we go, there is so much opportunity for the kingdom to move in because these people are starving. I think of this crowd here. They were looking at the Jewish leaders of the time. They were looking at Judaism and they were going, it's not up to snuff. It doesn't cut it. It's not feeding me. And they saw something in Jesus where they ran to him and he had compassion on them. And then we move right into the miracle part. When it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is a wilderness and it's already late. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. He was not only caring for their spiritual needs, but for their physical as well. The gospel is meant to minister to the whole person. Jesus saw them as they really were, and he was moved to compassion, to teach and to meet their spiritual needs, to feed them and to meet their physical needs. It's it's important to understand also, and many of you have heard this before, when it says, now those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men, That's important because they were only counting the men. Uh, What you find earlier in the story is whole families went across the the lake. We're actually told that there was somewhere between 12 and 15,000 people there. This overwhelming crowd of people that would have been easy for Jesus, much like his disciples. If he was me to go, it's too much. Look, if it was half this, I get it. 15,000 people, like I'm tired but he had compassion on them and was moved to minister. Jesus had compassion on his fellow workers. He was not a harsh taskmaster, and he had compassion on on the masses and on those who had need. So let me ask you this question. Why is this reminder of Jesus' compassion so necessary for us today, As, as both his fellow workers and those who have need of him? Why is this reminder of his compassion 
so important. What do you think? Yeah, I think far too often uh, the reason that the church is known for hypocrisy and, and things like that by those outside of the church is because we talk about things like compassion, but people don't see us extending things like compassion. And I think the real reason, exactly like Kim just said, you can't give what you don't know how to receive. Most of us don't know how to receive compassion from Jesus because we view him as the taskmaster, or he's aloof, he's somewhere over there, he doesn't really care about my everyday problems, or whatever it may be, we don't know how to receive his compassion, and it just follows that then we don't know how to extend it, or actually there's none for us to extend. What else? And Alice, I hadn't even thought about that, but I think that's an excellent point. Every time Jesus was trying to extend compassion, people had to respond with trust and obedience. Whether it was get in the boat, whether it was uh, sit down so that this guy can feed you with five loaves and two fish, the people would have seen it. We don't know how many would have gone, he's crazy. I'm going to beat the crowd and I'm going to go buy my own bread before they run out at the store or whatever. But those who chose to trust and obey saw compassion. Those who didn't trust that he could do those things, that he was a man of his word, that he was capable, whatever, how many of them missed out on receiving his compassion because they didn't have the trust and they didn't obey? That's a really good point. Ooh, family divide, rough. Yeah, one of the dangers that I think of, and uh, maybe it's just how I'm wired, especially there's a danger in talking about kingdom so much, or, or we talk about mission, you know, with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, is because sometimes if you're not careful, it can become like an emotionless thing, just get the job done, just keep moving forward. Like the, Jesus could come back tomorrow and we don't know, and we got to get the work done before he gets here, and, and we can miss what was driving him. It wasn't mission for mission's sake. It was compassion. It was brokenheartedness for the people around him. Jesus was an incredibly emotional guy. 
And God used that to accomplish his mission through him. Not just get up, keep moving. What are you doing sitting around? Good works, good works, good works, good works. That's good, Tim. Emily? I don't think Jesus was trying to like check this off his goal sheet. Okay, I was good today. I fed 5,000 or whatever, but it was truly just like, like I think Kim had brought up earlier. I know these people are going to turn away and walk away. This doesn't like build my following. This doesn't help in any of the traditional earthly ways where we're going to build a kingdom. These people are going to leave me, but they have a need, and I, I'm called to meet that need for them. Like it wasn't about an agenda. It was about being moved and to lead with compassion. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's, mm-hmm. yeah, because we're told when Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well um, afterwards, it says his disciples went to get lunch, essentially, and they come back and they go, Jesus, aren't you hungry? And he goes, guys, I got bread you don't even know of. Like, you know, and, and again, they would have scratched their heads. I wonder if this put some pieces of the puzzle together where they went, we all brought our own baskets back, but I'll tell you guys, I'm full. Like, we could do this every day, you know, I wonder. That's good. The point that I keep coming back to, and we'll close with this, and it's been threaded through so much of this, if we don't receive it, we can't give it. We're called to have compassion just like Jesus does, to love our neighbor as ourselves just like Jesus does. But we're not good, most of us, we're not good at receiving compassion. We expect condemnation from the Father. Maybe because that's the kind of Father we grew up with. Maybe because that's how we talk to ourselves, whatever it may be, but we expect that from Him. And when we receive compassion, it almost hurts. There's almost a, no, 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 but you don't understand. But maybe you weren't paying attention. Because if so, certainly I'd be getting the hammer. We don't know how to receive compassion from Him. And if we can't receive it, we can't extend it. And extending compassion is a kingdom ministry that we're all called to. 
My prayer for myself is, Lord, help me to receive your compassion. I have an inability to receive compassion. I have an inability, personally, it's something I'm working through, to, to receive compliments. Somebody goes, hey, great job. And I'm like, nah, well, it was okay. I've seen it done better. Or, yeah, no, but it was supposed to be like this. And, you know, I have an, I have an inability, let alone when the Father pours out compassion on me. And it's because I'm broken. And so my prayer for myself and for us is, Lord, heal the wounds that have us keeping you at arm's length, that have us denying your compassion, that, have us, that, that, that causes us to view you as this taskmaster, as this hard shepherd. And let us receive your rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is a promise. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, may we see you as you truly are. God, if there are wounds in us that cause us to view you through a messed up lens, if there are uh, experiences that we've had that have jaded us, Lord, would you bring healing to us? May we truly come to you in our weariness, in our burdened state, and may we find rest. May we find a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light, not because there's not work to be done, but because there's life where you are. There's compassion. There, there is bread that we don't even know of right now that you have waiting for us, God. If we will learn to come to you and to find rest, if we will learn to receive compassion from the Father, God, our tanks will be full and we will have compassion to spill out onto those around us and we will see your kingdom advanced because of it. Move, Lord Jesus. Help us to receive and extend compassion just as you did. Be glorified, I pray. In Jesus' name.